Welcome to the podcast Behind the Counter with your host, me, Heidi Blum, also known as the Food Czar. I'm a born and bred Livingston, New Jersey mom of three, and I've seen firsthand over the past few years how food and the people behind the counter can bring a community together. We all have a story and we all have an appetite. Each episode will explore the thread between food, people, and community and the stories that weave them all together. So I hope you're ready to get behind the counter and dig in. Here we go. This is Behind the Counter. Behind the Counter. With the Food Zone. Here's Heidi. Welcome back to, I think this is episode two of Behind the Counter with the Food Czar, which is me, Heidi Blum, and I cannot believe we made it to another episode, which means that you guys really supported me and listened, and that makes me so happy. So today, I'm just a girl with a microphone. I think this is a quote from a movie. A girl with a microphone talking to a boy that makes bagels. That's right. The man, the myth, the legend. I'm talking to Bagels by Jarrett, Jarrett Seltzer, also known as BXJ or Dinner by Jarrett. Am I correct? You are correct. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Long uh, time, first time. (laughs) Was it long time, first caller? Yes, long time, time fan, first time caller. Yeah. So um, when I was driving in today to do our interview, I uh, was reminded of COVID. When uh, on Facebook you sort of blew up and everyone was like, "Have you tried this? Have you tried this?" Bagels by Jarrett, da 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 da, and I was like, needed a place to go, and I either went to breweries to pick up beer or I came here to get your unbelievable chicken salad. And I think from that point on, you created a cult to me that feels like I want to be here. I want to be part of this. Um, I follow you on Instagram. It. I have never seen anybody who makes their own rules creates their own menus on the fly, creates their own hours. It's incredible, and I want to learn all about that. But we're going to go back in time for a second. I'm ready. Okay, here we go. So when I did my deep, deep investigative research, which was... Googling? (laughs) Google Jarrett Seltzer? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So I uh, went to LinkedIn which I don't go on, but I went on to say, I, I wanted to see like what your restaurant experience was. How did you get here? And uh, interestingly enough, there was none. <laughs> so um, it, was, it looked like it was all entertainment, music, video, production, stuff like that. Yeah, I, did deli- I delivered pizzas when I was 19, if that counts for anything. That's my restaurant experience. <laughs> there you go. Domenico's Pizza, yeah. Rockaway, New Jersey. Uh, yeah, no, um, my life mainly starts, so right out of high school, I was in the touring band, and um, there's a punk ska band called Face First. We started, I started with the singer in seventh grade, we started the band. You were a together. singer? No, but this is, I, absolutely not. No, I played <laughs> bass. I started with my singer uh, in seventh grade, and... Battle the bands? Uh, I think we did some, but we were anti-battle the bands, because we're like, everyone should be cool with each other. We should we should support each other, so screw this battle thing. That's right, Wasn't I Wasn't into it. the battle. Um, but yeah, we, we, we did whatever we could. We were just guitar and bass, and I didn't even know how to play the bass. Like, I would just hit notes. Like, it didn't, it wasn't good by any means. And then we uh, toured right out of high school, started touring the United States, and then a few years later, we switched the name of the band, we changed the genre, and we switched up members a little bit to a band called Houston Calls, and signed to a record label in about 2004. Oh my god, that's like yeah. major. Uh, no, they were 
were a, an independent record label. Oh, okay, maybe <laughs> no, there's that's a, a major. Big, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. There's a major behind them. But um, so that was a little record label joke. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, tour, ended up touring the world uh, as a band. So the United States, plenty of times, Australia, Japan, United Kingdom. And then we went to write our second record. We were trying to make some changes, do different things. We were talking about getting off of our record label at that time because we really wanted to own everything and do everything and make all the money on our own. Um, and uh, that didn't go as planned. Uh, put out our second record. We were touring, but in between records, I got into video production because I had no money. And you don't make money when you're writing records. You make money when you're touring. So a buddy of mine was like, "Hey, you should go be a PA." I go, "What's that?" He goes, "A production assistant." I go, "Great, what's that?" And he's like, "You just do things around well, set." Otherwise known as a gopher. A gopher, yeah. yeah. You get coffee, you empty trash cans, things along those lines. So I went and did my first day of work. It was actually a Dunkin' Donuts commercial. I worked for a director named Irv Blitz, big tabletop director. Wow. I worked on a Dunkin' Donuts commercial, and I loved it. I fell in love with the whole thing. 18-hour day. You know, like pure insanity, and I loved every moment of it. So I was doing that while still writing record, the second record with the band, and just fell in love with it and kind of kept wanting to do it. So I went on tour for the second record, and I just started realizing like I didn't want to do this anymore. I wanted to get into video production. And then, long story with, short, with that, as I just I was a PA, I, I went up to uh, second assistant director, first assistant director, started producing, started directing on my own, did my own company, and then while doing my own company for video production, I started making bagels at home. Of course, that's what. Four. That's what every director does. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that kind of gets us to where the bagels started coming in. So it's interesting because, well, first of all, just so you know, I was a video producer back in my day. Oh, yeah, I know. Fancy, right. fancy. Um, people don't know that. But um, uh, it's interesting because I would always see your name pop up when people would ask on L-Town. I mean, this is before COVID and before I was the food czar and all that stuff is yep. that people would say, uh, where's like the best bagel? And everyone would... I mean, just random people would mention your name. And I was like, who is this guy? I don't even understand what's going it was on. It's this magical bagel. It was like, who is Bagels by Jarrett? Yeah, well, it wasn't even Bagels by Jarrett at that point. It was just, no, it was just Jarrett. It was just, it was just Jarrett, Jarrett yeah. Seltzer. Yeah. It was just this guy on Facebook giving away bagels. And that's what you did. Yeah. Literally. I, so I, yeah, I, I made... Um, one day I made my wife uh, pretzel nuggets like on a Sunday for football and I put everything seeds on them and I was like tasted it and I'm like this would be good with like a veggie cream cheese dip it was basically a bagel but it was soft it was a pretzel so from there I started I was like let me just try and make a good bagel like let's just see what we can this can't be that hard can it and like the third or fourth time <laughs> I made like an awesome bagel like what didn't take me that many tries it was literally like the third or fourth try and I'm like, this is really good. So I called some friends, and I'm like, yo, come over. Like, try this. Tell me if you think it's as good as I think it is. And everyone's like, it's a really good bagel. So the next day, I was like, I should probably make these again so I don't forget what the fuck I just did to make this incredible <laughs> bagel. And so You I know, made, people do write down re- recipes, I'm I, just saying. I do write down all my recipes now. They're usually on the bags that your food goes in. <laughs> if you look in my phone, if you want the recipes, none of it will make sense to you because they're not even labeled. I just can tell it's what like it is. It's like my great-grandmother. A pinch of this, uh, throw yeah, in this. Yeah, yeah. a black yeah. container of this, which is like our, our ramekin size, you know, uh, the, the lid of this size. Like, it's all whatever you can use in the shop to measure without grabbing actual measuring instruments is, how, is how I do it. But um, so I made bagels the next day and I posted on West Orange 4 and 1 Facebook group at that time. I said, hey, I finally found the best bagel in town. Everyone's like, where? I'm like, my house. Ho, ho, ho. Like, I'm so hilarious. Uh, but people were like, yeah, I want that bagel. And I was like, all right, well, come on by and, you know, I'll give you a bagel. So I started giving out everything bagels with vegetable cream cheese from home. You, did you make the cream cheese too? Uh, I made the cream cheese. I made the, well, use a Philadelphia base. That's what everyone does. But then yeah. still make, you know, add the salt and the veggies and all that. Um, and so I started giving them away. Once or twice a week, I would make them. And the worst part, so my mixer couldn't handle the dough. So it would have to mix like half the dough before it broke and then pull out half the dough and then put half the dough back in. 
I'm not, and I use also do a sponge, which is something that like it has to sit and proof for two hours. So to make eleven bagels, I couldn't even make a dozen. To make eleven bagels at home was a six-hour process for me. First of all, it, I mean that's how unconventional unconventional you are that you had to make eleven and not twelve. <laughs> I couldn't do twelve. Yeah, exactly. It it, the mixer couldn't handle all of it that size, so it was it was eleven. That's crazy. My kids love your bagels. Thank you. And I know everyone loves your bagels, but they're different than your traditional Absolutely. bagel. Absolutely. What I makes no them idea different? What I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, now you do. Not really. Shh, I know how to do. Don't tell them. <laughs> yeah, no. Like the, you know, it's interesting. I have a, a friend over here who's like a head chef in like a legit, beautiful, crazy restaurant. Like makes things that I look at the plating and I'm like, what is that? Like I don't even know what that is. It's so ridiculous. And he loved it here. It was his first time eating my food because he's like, you just break every rule because you don't know the rules. And I'm it's like, so that's true. true. So I don't, true. You don't know, I don't know yeah. the rules, so I just do whatever I want to do. But it's the same thing with this spot here. I mean, you break every rule. We break, yeah, because he's like, you'd be amazing on Top Chef. He was on Top Chef. He's like, you'd be incredible. Or not Top Chef. Uh, chop. Chop. That was it. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. He's like, you'd be incredible on Chop because you have no idea what you're doing. You would kill it. You would kill it. <laughs> Let's get him on Chop, people. Where's my producer? Uh, get him I, on Chop. Uh, voice for radio. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I think there's, there's a real value. No, don't get me wrong. Like, the amount of time wasted in my first year or two, wasting time doing things certain ways because I didn't know any better was a lot of late nights that didn't need to be late nights. Right. Right. Um, but there's the value of not knowing what the hell you're doing and doing things your way, and it becomes quite original. Yeah, it's so true because I know, like, personality-wise, like, I have to do everything by the book, and sometimes that's really not the best way. Yeah. Yeah, and being vulnerable is really good, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I'm not sensitive anymore. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, okay, so then what was the shift that you're like, okay— these people are loving my free bagels, my 11 free my. bagels. What was the shift to open up a spot? So I was giving away the bagels for a two, two and a half years, something in that in that realm. And I was talking about opening the shop, and friends were like, oh, you're going to hate making bagels. I'm like, dude, I hate making bagels. There's nothing fun about making bagels in your house. Six hours to make 11 bagels. There's nothing fun about that. What's fun is when someone posts and says, that's the best bagel I've ever had. That's what you do it for. I wasn't making money doing it. You can't, at, the, at the time, you weren't allowed to bake and sell out of your home. So um, all of, well, the only gratification was someone saying it was the best bagel and telling other people about it. Yeah. So one day, actually, the singer of my band happened to come into town. We were going to see a concert on a Saturday night, and he mentioned that uh, his brother wanted to go to brunch with us on Sunday. And I knew that his brother was, you know, did pretty well for himself, is what I would say. And um, Casey, if you're listening to this, I don't think you know this part of the story. So uh, I was like, screw brunch in the city. Tell your brother to come to Jersey. I'm going to make bagels for him. Let's see what happens. So Casey and uh, his wife and two kids come out to Jersey. I make my bagels. And Casey bites into the bagel. He's like, it's a really good bagel. And his wife's like, this is a really good bagel. And Casey looks at me. He goes, why aren't you, uh, why aren't you doing anything with this? I go, I don't need money. He goes, I have money. And I was like, oh, my God, this worked. It totally worked. I love worked. Casey. Yeah. It totally worked. And uh, Casey was basically the guy with Invest. And that was my first investor. Wow. And then I brought in some more investors. And we got to the number that we had agreed upon. I raised X amount of dollars. Wait, so was your wife pregnant when you opened the store? My wife was pregnant. when. So we opened, we bought and sold our house. This all, So everything happened like all at once. Opening the shop. Bought and sold our house on the same day. My car blew up, and she needed a new car, so two new cars. Plus, she's pregnant, and then COVID. That's and this is the all scariest. This is all within thing like, ever. This is all within thirty days. Everything. 
I used to just vomit on the way to my car. It was like just anxiety. I actually filled. could vomit for you right now, just <laughs> like, listening to it, because that's the scariest thing ever. I literally puked on the way to my car for like a month straight every morning, going like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. There's no way this is gonna work. That's a huge. That's a huge gamble. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. That's like my, my heart's racing a little bit right now, just hearing that, because that's that's really a lot. Well, and I had no idea what the hell I was doing here. You have to keep in mind, like, we were open two days a week when we started. And there was no kitchen here? There, oh, there, the build-out, was there was nothing. I got, this so was you had to put, you had to order? It's a gut renovation. We kept nothing. How did you know what rest, like what equipment to order? I, a lot of Googling and searching, like, going into other bagel shops and just kind of looking around a little oh bit. Oh, my God, yeah, they have an oven. <laughs> well, I think I need an oven. Um, they have paper yeah, bags. You I know, need paper bags. It wasn't too much, right? I knew I needed a mixer, right? I knew that there were things that formed the bagels. Because remember, I'm making bagels at home for two years straight. So I don't want to roll bagels by hand. It's not my thing. Like, So I knew that there was a machine that could roll the bagels. So I called that company. Uh, I found out about a steam oven instead of boiling. I went to that company and tried my dough out in their oven before I bought their oven. So it wasn't too much. But a lot of it was like the layout. Like everything was, it was supposed to be a fast-paced bagel shop. I hated nothing more than a Sunday hungover, going to a bagel shop, kind of sweating, being uncomfortable in line, <laughs> and the woman in front of you is just like, and a quarter pound of lock spread, and you're just like, Jesus Christ, just like, give me my just locks. give me my fucking food. I'm sweating out I'm, beer. I'm sweating. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sweating with vodka, but yeah, okay. I, like it's just so. All of those things came into play when I designed this shop. And for anyone who was in here for the three weeks when we were open to the public, we'll understand that now. I mean, down to the, there's a, a air conditioner that I had to pick which side it was going on. And the side that I put it on was so that it would hit you in case you were hung over and you needed that cold air. That's brilliant, by the way. You know, thank you. Brilliant. We, you know, we put the refrigerators had no doors because I wanted you to grab all the spreads. I didn't want you to wait for it to have to get, be scooped. So it was all things. And when we started, we were doing 75 customers an hour we were getting through here. Wow. Yeah. So that's why I never wanted to switch to curbside until basically people in town were like, this is going to be ground zero for COVID because he's so busy, so popular with this. He, I can't believe he's letting people in the shop. And I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to be ground zero and called out for that, I guess, I guess we'll go curbside. That's incredible. So, okay, so let's now now go forward three weeks. So now you're like in it, right? You, you're starting <laughs> sort of. So, I mean, I, I have a lot of questions about this, but... So you didn't even have relationships at this point with your, uh, like, food providers? No, not at all. So, like, when we were all trying to get shit because the world was coming to an end, you really didn't have, like, a, a hub that you could go to, I'm well, guessing. To, to be fair, so we used Restaurant Depot a lot. And early on when I was building the place, a guy walked in here from a company that I could get my flour and cream cheese and yeast and seeds and that stuff with. And then... They were good for my first week. I ordered 500 pounds of cream cheese, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. We got everything. The second week, we ordered 500 pounds of cream cheese again, and basically the same order, and 50 pounds of cream cheese shows up. And this is pre-cream cheese shortage. Oh, There's I no forgot about the cream cheese shortage of and, 2020. Yeah, the yeah. old cream yeah. cheese shortage. And so the guy, uh, and my butter shows up, and it's not salted. So I call him. I go, hey, it's, it was supposed to be 500 pounds of cream cheese, not 50 pounds. He's like, that's all I got. I'm like, well, you got to let me know something like that. You can't, like, I've been waiting for this. Like, we have to prep. And then I go, also, the butter was unsalted. It was supposed to be salted. He goes, salt it yourself. I said, okay, fuck you. That same day, I got really lucky. A random guy walks through my door. His name's Dwayne. And Dwayne's like, hey, do you have a flour company? And I'm like, not anymore. And uh, I'm like, can you get me this flour? He goes, yeah. Can you get me this cream cheese? Yeah. Can you get me this? And then there's a, we use a special type of sesame seed on our sesame bagels. And it was hard to find. And I was like, can you get me whole sesame seeds? And he's like, absolutely. I go, no. Can you get me them within an hour? 
and he walked out the door and he came back within an hour with the sesame seeds and he's still one of my vendors to this day that's insane. because that's how you build relationships with people in this business yeah that's crazy so i remember coming it was literally during covid for my first time and you were curbside i yep. mean it was i mean there were it was nuts in this park well that was when we turned it into everyone closed down at that point yeah. early on so like there were different iterations of bxj through covid and the first one was a giant drive through and that's probably what you're talking about where they were just, the parking lot was just you had your staff out there filled. directing traffic and putting if i remember oh, the, the flyers that yeah okay. numbers on so the windshield it was the it was the drive through where we took up the whole parking lot and the cops came and then it switched to we're going to put numbers on your car and then john who was working outside would let you pull up when it was your numbers turn there were a lot of iterations of curbside but you like i i mean i feel very privileged to be inside and this is by the way my second time inside cuz i did the thank you <laughs> i feel like i'm vip now but um you could not. I mean, it was wild to me. It yeah. was all you saw was the everything but the bagel seasoning in the window. Yep. And these random guys running around the parking lot. <laughs> but I will say it was, and your hours were like, it was the days you were open and the hours you were open. I remember being on the golf course with my friend and we were both like talking about your chicken salad. And we were like, holy shit, he's closing at one. We got <laughs> to get now. there now. Yeah. Yeah. No, back then we were open. We would prep. This is again, like when you don't know what the fuck you're doing. We would prep on Monday and Tuesday, like all day. We put in like 10 hours each day prep. We're not making a dime. Then Wednesday, we would open at 8 a.m., and we would try to stay open until 1 o'clock, but generally would sell out before 1 o'clock. We'd clean up, we'd go home, and that was like kind of our early night. Then Thursday, Friday, again, prep all day. And you're talking like, I'd have to do the math, like the amount of man hours, like the amount of people here for that many hours, like yeah. just insane. And then we'd open on Saturday again, 8 a.m., sell out by 1, and then sleep on Sundays. And that was what we did. That was life. That's crazy. Yeah. So now let's flash forward to where we are today. Yes. I don't even know what's going on here. <laughs> I literally, I'm like, uh, it's crazy because, you know, you'll post that you're trying out pizzas and the next thing you know, you have a page long menu of pizzas. Then you're, am I right? You're right. Yeah. yeah. And then you, I mean, I, I, I don't know. You tell me. You, I, It's like, you decide, it's like, do you wake up in the morning and decide what the menu's going to be? Because that's what it feels like. And I love that. It's like, it's like me cooking for my kids, but not really. Fair. Yeah. Uh, it, it all depends. What I will say is that there's very rarely a plan, and that's what a lot of people don't get. So I could get a message on Wednesday from someone and be like, hey, I'm flying into town. I'm coming by on Saturday. Where are the specials? I'm like, dude, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing tomorrow, let alone this weekend for your specials. Like, literally, you don't. Literally, I don't. So today we put on, I can't even say it right, a smoky cacio de pepe pizza. I, I saw that, by the way. Um, there was no vision of that. This, like when I woke up this morning, that idea was not in my mind whatsoever. I got here. We're doing it's our prep day, so we're here on the Wednesday, which is prep day. But we're also open from eleven to one because I was like, let's make a few bucks on the prep day while we can. You know, gives everyone a couple extra hours because they got to kind of stop prep, open up for two hours, then get back to their prep. Um, but it makes me a couple dollars on the day that we're normally closed. So why not? But yeah, there was no vision of that pizza this morning. Like, why did they even do that? This is the way I view it. Mm -hmm. Is like you drop an idea. And it's like it, people react like they feel like they need to have that. Well, it's it's part of it obviously gives me a reason to stay in people's faces on a daily basis to get them thinking about it. Someone who may have not ordered today may see a picture of that and be like, I want that. But as I've said before, too, I only put things out that are tens. If it's a nine, if it's a nine point five, it doesn't make the menu. So you cook it and then you try it. Yep. We and, let it sit. Uh -huh. That's one of the big things here because we're a takeout restaurant, right? We're a takeout place. Who takes the pictures? Because they are Me. 
Oh, you do a very good Remember? job. Director, producer. Yes, we no, this I know. I know. See, see, there it is. You need to From add food. it. Now, it, now it all ties in. Food. There's yeah. Dunkin' Donuts. It all, tie, it all ties in now. So, um, but now you have like such a big menu. I it's, mean, yeah, we're like a diner. Yeah, you really are. You're like a pricey diner. You're like a Wizard of Oz diner. I don't even know. Well, okay, let's talk about prices for a second. Absolutely. Um, an article came out recently, and then I saw that you posted it that you are lowering your prices, which yes. is like you don't. That's Again, breaking all the rules because yep. nobody lowers their prices. Everybody Correct. raises. Correct. It's it's always it's hard to go up. It's hard to it's it's easy to go down. It's hard to come up on prices. And I had to go up throughout the past couple of years with COVID. And you know when I opened, chicken was thirty nine dollars a case. It's a dollar a pound, 40, 40 pound case. During the height of COVID, we hit as high as one hundred fifty six dollars a case. Wow. Same chicken, same everything. Um, then you take something like chicken salad that does really well for us, right? You have the mayo and it, that went up. Like, everything went up. Everything was insane. So I had to bring my prices up. I also treat my staff properly financially. They get paid really well. Um, and I have overhead. Like, all this stuff is expensive. Like, electricity went up. Everything's up right now. Right. Um, but this week, food prices actually came down. And some stuff significantly. It wasn't just the stuff to make the pizzas. Eggs came down. Eggs, when I started doing eggs, were $30 a case, a dollar a dozen. Yet again, they went as high as $190 two weeks ago for a case of eggs. And we go through five, six cases of eggs a week. That's insane. I paid $103 yesterday. That's it's sad that that's a win, but that's a win. So if I can bring it down, if I can bring something down, even if the eggs are not relative to the pizza, right? There's no eggs involved with the pizza. But because I got that down... And because my pizza prices are twenty bucks for a pie is not cheap no. by any means. Now, granted, our dough is seven day dough. Like we have a system that we have to do. If something's off a tiny bit, it gets thrown away. We do our own cheese blends. The sauce is all. You know, a lot of places just open up a can of sauce, throw some salt in it, and they're done. We don't do that. Our sauce has a lot of white wine in it. It's actually cooked before it hits the pizza. Like there's all these things. We use the best cheeses. Like we use the best of everything. So there's a cost with that, um, which is why the prices are where they're at. But the fact that I was able to lower it by two bucks. Not bad. And today was actually our first day doing it. And I think I, I got to look at the numbers at the end of the day, but I feel like I actually saw a little bit of a difference. And at the same point, my pizza guy's here making a pizza. A difference in? More sales. More sales. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So who cares, right? If, yeah. I, if I'm going to sell three times the amount of pizzas for $2 less, my profit number is still high. My pizza guy's here. I think it also makes you an honest man. It's true. Not that people aren't honest, but yeah. I think that people, it's that's where the loyalty from your customers is going to come in, is that they say, oh my God, he's lower. I just have never seen somebody like lower their prices and announce they're lowering their yeah. prices. That's, we did it with Wayne. Too, because wings went as high as that hundred fifty-six dollars yeah. spot, and when they came down, I think we went up two bucks off on uh, per box of wings. That's incredible. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, look, the aver- our, my average basket is higher than one pizza or one thing of wings. So if I can lower one item by a couple bucks for someone, they're still buying enough other stuff here too, right? It's you know, some people get just a pizza, and that's almost like a rare customer here. Like the average basket has three or four items in it. So if I can lower it by a couple bucks and help you out, that's why even like Friday night dinners, we do ten percent off if you pre-order it just helps me number one it helps me get an idea of what the night's gonna look like right? right like oh man there's there's like 20 chicken parms we better bread some extra chicken or whatever it's gonna be um but number two it helps me in the morning when i come in and look and i'm like oh shit we have to make that right. <laughs> it's kind of like a like, reminder oh my God, people are, people are actually the, buying that yeah. me- oh shit that's on the menu tonight make yeah. sure we have uh, the scallions on the line they're like whatever it I mean, is. it's an interesting way to run a, a business is that you know <laughs> a regular restaurant they have no idea Right? They have to prep for everything that's on the Abs- menu. Absolutely. Yeah. And then your waste levels and things along those lines. But we also, our Friday night dinner service is just pure insanity. For It's only three hours. So it all has to get put into that three-hour period where someone else may be open from 4 to 10. We're 4 to 7. 
So we're doing the volume that someone's doing from four to ten, but we're doing it in three hours. So, and I'm like, when you speak about chicken cutlets, I'm a chicken cut like chicken cutlets like don't mess with my chicken cutlet. Yeah. We bread our chicken cutlets an hour before service, and whatever doesn't sell is done. I don't use them again. You throw it out. I, I, I fry them and leave them out for the crew dinner. Yeah. Whoever wants to take and take and whatever doesn't get used is tossed. I'm like, I can't stand restaurants who use old chicken cutlets for chicken parm. So uh, it, looking back yes. to 2019, would you, and there's a lot of young people or people who, you know, are home caterers or anything like that. Would yep. you recommend, like if you could give yourself advice? If I could give myself advice. When you were thinking about opening a place. I don't think, I mean, I'm, I, like, it's insane. Um, but I love every moment of it for the most part. Like, yeah, there's certain things that suck, right? Someone calls out and you got to do their job or you're short staffed or you're frustrated because you asked an employee to bring you like, go get that cheese, go get the cheese. Like, where's the cheese? I asked you five minutes ago. Like that stuff gets like really frustrating. But at the end, like it's, it's in the, this specific spot's just amazing. Like when I have a customer that drives an hour and a half each way, once or twice a week, that says something. Like that's really cool. You act. I mean, you do seem it. It you get that feel. Just even from your social media, you get that feel that you love what you do. I love what I do. Like, like, it, and it's good. Like we're. I'm growing. I'm working on letting go, trusting people, hiring above me, is my big thing. So like, I recently got a pizza guy. I was trying to do all the pizza myself. Then came Friday nights. I would par bake the pizzas. And then they, once they sold out, they sold out. Right. Because then anyone could put the pizza in and out. That's why there was only the roundish pie. Right. That's why you couldn't get toppings on it because there was par baking. It was the only way to do it. And I'm leaving all this money on the table because I've got this beautiful pizza oven and I can't utilize it on Friday night. I'm only can sell pizza at 8 a.m. You're right. Like on my right. regular days, it doesn't right. make any sense. So I finally go and I hire, I go on Craigslist, I post that and I get like 15, 20 responses. That's incredible. Yeah. And I end up hiring the pizza guy. And it was the first time I've ever hired someone who's better than me at something here. And, yeah, it and felt that you can learn from. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And he loved my dough. He loved my sauce. He, he, he had no issues with my recipes, but he can execute better than I can. And he can put the right ratios on the pizza better than I can. And he can make an actual round fucking pizza and not call it a goddamn <laughs> roundish pie because he's been making pizza for 15 years, not 15 I minutes. I thought when you came out with the round dish that you were naming it after me. I absolutely was. Thank you. There. Um, uh, <laughs> And your staff seems like, I mean, it seems like they're like family to you. 100%. So um, here's a thing that I think falls into the, this is why you're a good guy list. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Scary. Um, but you're a good guy because I see how much you help the other restaurants. You support them, not only by promoting them on your social media and ordering their food, but, um, you know, I know that you've talk to a lot of the restaurants that are around here and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. I mean, I, I will be honest. I only will promote the restaurants that I truly think are awesome. Like you, if you don't have great food, I'll, I'll, I'll meet with you. I'll talk to you. If you're like, Jared, what can I do? Like, I'll, I'll talk to you and help you out and give you suggestions, but I'm not going to post, go eat there. Um, it has to be great food. If I'm saying that it's, it's something great. My customers trust me. We put out the pizza today. Like no one's ever had it new pizza. And I think we sold four of them. It's not this huge number. I mean, but four of one pizza that was up, I put it up when we opened at 11 o'clock. We're only open till one, four people trusted that it was going to be a great pizza. Yeah. So I'm never going to be like, yo, go try this, whatever it's somewhere. If it's, if I don't think it's the best, if it's the best, I will push the hell out of that restaurant and I'll talk to help any restaurant. Because again, it comes from like our band background, like, 
just said, like, we don't want to do a battle of the bands. We want to, like, tour with other bands and have fun and get drunk together and, like, have a good time. Like, yeah, bands, there's jealousy. Bands are bigger than you. You feel like you worked harder than them to get where, you know, where they are versus where you are. Um, so there's jealousy and that type of stuff with it. But for this, is like, I have nothing to prove, like, I kind of proved it pretty quickly, this place. And I think that that's, like, a huge advantage for me. And be, I get to be myself because I'm not struggling. They're stressed out. And I have my stresses. And I have it was a slow summer. People went away because COVID was over. I was doing right. expansion work. The bank account was draining. Like, like it's not, like, it's not Life. an easy yeah. thing every single day. But oh, in the grand scheme of things, we're doing very well. And that allows me to help keep that positive attitude and push that to other people. I mean, it's pretty cool that... Other restaurants are seeking your advice. I mean, I think. I <laughs> mean, that's, you know knows, what I mean? The guy yeah. who knew nothing, yeah. you know, actually does know something. So, uh, what's the future? So, we're, you know, wrapping up the expansion. Um, what's going to happen in here? Well, what's funny with uh, about the, nothing, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> of course not. Uh, like a hand sink over there, basically, <laughs> like things that the town wants. Um, everything else is basically done for what we're doing. The expansion, it confused a lot of people. Everyone's like, oh, cool, he's going to open up to the public now. And I'm like, no. Definitely no, not opening up to the not. public. No, you know, we, did, we did 72 door dashes last Sunday. That's incredible. Forget the <laughs> crazy. Five hours. So, forget about. The Mayo Systems orders. I don't need 72 DoorDashers in here on a Sunday going, where's my food? Like, it's just going to mess up the vibe. It's not going to work. You know, some people are like, well, why don't you keep it curbside? But people can come in. Well, now I have to have someone on the counter then. Yeah. Right? Like, it's a whole, this just works. Starting in March, we're going to be open for dinner Thursday through Sunday. Wow. 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. all four of those days. Right now, it's just the dinner takeout on Fridays, the 4 to 7. Um, that's going to move to 8 p.m. as well. And then from there, I'm working on opening the pub. Oh, yeah. Let's yes. talk about the pub. We're working on the pub. I'm not going to say where. Okay. Um, Will you have IPA beer? I If I get, if you're a beer lady, which I think you are I, based on I am. Uh, what you My said earlier. My mention of beer. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And the fact that you're the, the 30 pack that you just rip through while we were doing this. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, one of the places I'm looking at has 32 tap lines. I'll tell uh, you okay, that. Okay, then I'll be there for so. all 32 of those tap lines. Yeah. And you can educate me because I just drink Tito's on the rocks. I don't know. I I, I, I don't know that I could educate you, but I can certainly try. <laughs> okay, fair. How's that? Yeah. You know, a place where you can still get the best wings and, and you know, bar-type food, burgers that we grind our own meat like we do here. Uh, I don't want to compete with here. So it'll be a lot of things that I never was able to put on the menu here because they don't travel well. So the carbonara, right? Simple yeah. example. So a little bit of a small Italian side menu, a little bit of meats, some dry-aged steaks, things along those lines. Um, and then some fun food, too, like our General So's broccoli. Like, sit at a bar, eat some General yeah, So's that, broccoli. That like, looks really awesome. good. Um, so it'll be a little bit of all over the world as far as the food goes. And the goes. Brussels sprouts. You, I thought you were going to make. Too. I did. Yeah. They were awesome. Yeah. I need to try those. They're very good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's incredible. I mean, your story's incredible, I think. Thank you. You should be very proud of yourself. Thank you. I could say that to you because I'm older than you. <laughs> Thanks, I'm Mom. like a mom. You're welcome. Second. You're welcome, son. <laughs> so if people, I'm going to let you plug all your stuff right now. So uh, where are you? Where can they find you? So Bagels by Jarrett, West Orange, 451 Mount Pleasant Ave. We're in the same strip mall as Metropolitan Plan Exchange. We are a curbside business, meaning that you do not come in. We take your order online at bagelsbyjarrett.com, or you can order on DoorDash for delivery. The way it works is you place your order. You can pick up pick out, uh, what time you want to pick up your order. You can do it for right away, or you can do it for you know up until we close. When you pull up, uh, one of our curbside crew members comes outside, asks your name. And goes back inside, grabs your food, and brings it right to your car. Um, okay. How cool. Is, I mean, is there anything else that you think? No, I mean, follow our Instagram. That's always yeah. the best. Just bagels by Jarrett. Spell Jarrett properly. 
thank you so much for being behind the counter with me. Yes. I uh, applaud you for all your hard work. Thank you. And for everything that you've built here. And um, that's it. Thank you guys for listening so much. I hope you found this interesting. And I hope you order a round dish pie. Or the round dish bar pie is my new favorite. Or the chicken salad. That's one of my favorites. Thank you for doing this. And thank you for all the stuff that you do for the community. Oh, it's my. It brings me so much joy. And it is such a pleasure. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun helping people. It's fun helping people. Yeah. It really is. And it's cool. It's cool to see people happy when they're being helped too. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's... And food makes people happy. Food makes people really happy. So does beer, but food really does. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jarrett. Pleasure. You got it. If you are hearing this message, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I'm truly grateful for you and this opportunity. The purpose of the Behind the Counter podcast is to bring food, people, and community together. I hope you'll return for more episodes and explore with me. I want to personally thank Fran Linnell of Design 68 for my amazing Behind the Counter podcast logo and Travis Lomberg for my awesome Behind the Counter music and all the guests that take their time to sit and talk with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you hear your podcasts. If you'd like to support the Behind the Counter podcast, please subscribe share with your friends and family, and you can follow me on Instagram at Heidi Blum. If you have any feedback or stories that you want to share, you can email me at foodsrbtc at gmail.com.